Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. Rabbi Parnik is with us, though, on vacation and has not watched the episode. So he is just going to be our halachic authority, uh, giving us insight into some of this episode. Also, I'm sitting next to my dad's computer, and it's all like New Orleans pictures that are showing, including the old Beth Israel, and that just kind of... Just wanted to note that it's kind of interesting. So he really misses everybody, which is why he's joining us. <laughs> That's how I interpreted that comment. Sure. And um, and then David Kaplinsky, who we asked to join us for this class because David is one of our newest rabbinic residents at Temple Bethon, and also from New Orleans and knows a lot of the folks who come to this class uh, and people are giving him thumbs up and very excited to see him. So we thought that this would be a sweet uh, if Rai Pernick couldn't be here, which now he is, but if Rai Pernick couldn't be here, we thought that the next best thing would be to ask David to be with us today. So without any further ado, um, anybody else have any other comments about this episode before we jump into the topic that we chose? Yes, yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, Nazi did go when he woke up, he did go back to the bar. Yeah. So we don't know if she would have been there, what would have happened. True. Right. And, sure. and it seemed like he went there because he heard his friend and the other woman having right. an and, and he regretted his, you know, perhaps correct or mostly correct decision, you might say, or depending, depending on what you think. Yeah. Other sure. thoughts, comments? I, I was just going to note that the name of the episode is Sodom. Oh. So it seems like besides perhaps some perceiving that uh, uh, Tehillah's former unreligious life might have been like Sodom, perhaps what Nati was embarking on at the conference and pursuing this woman was going to lead him into Saddam also. So, I, I, But I would like to point out that the conference was at the Dead Sea, which is where Saddam is. <laughs> ah, ah. Very good, Leonard. That was very good. Clever, uh, clever yeah, Rebecca's always the one who, who focuses on those things. I would have never been able to tell you what the name of the episode was. So thank you for bringing that up. That's a, that's a very interesting fact. Uh, Norm? I felt that he was not interested in hooking up in a casual way with this woman at any time. And that um, the friend wanted him to go there, not because he would hook up, but because he would occupy this other woman so that the friend and his target woman would be able to hook up, which in fact they did. Um, The other one... um, I think he wasn't certain is this the kind of woman he'd be interested in or not. When he found out that she'd gone home alone, I had the impression he was pretty pleased about that because I mean, she was not a libertine. Um, The fact that, you know, she characterized herself as keeping kosher. um, I thought was a positive thing and maybe he did too, but I think he clearly was not interested in um, casual sex with the Tehillah, formerly Gaia or with this, new physician type. Um, and I respected that. Yeah. I, I also, um, I also respected the fact that he didn't, he didn't pursue 
her. I, I hadn't thought about like the casual nature of it or not, but, but more so just the fact that he was at least emotionally, um, because there's no physical relationship right now happening between Nati and Tahila, um, that they're emotionally in a relationship. And so the fact that he didn't, um, he didn't explore anything with this other woman, I think was, uh, was a good mark on his character. And, and I'll just say, I think we've talked about this a little bit before. Um, and if Rabbi Parnick wants to jump in, I don't know that, I mean, David, you're welcome to too, but there's something that we, Rabbi Parnick and I have spoken a lot about in this class is just the general assumption by the writers of this show to say, oh, if she keeps kosher and Shabbat, then of course she's not going to just randomly hook up with somebody. Um, and I think that that is, that's presumptuous, right? And, and, that, and that is also um, creating a, a type of stereotype. Whether or not it's predominantly true, it's creating a stereotype that, um, that I think is, is played out in certain ways in this in this series uh, that somehow means if you are halachically observant that you aren't also um, doing things that you might assume people in the secular world are um, availing themselves of in terms of relationships. Other thoughts, comments? And then Nazi also was going to be a part of a minion when they were trying to round up people for minion. Yeah. Awesome. Do you want to say more about that? Just the fact that it, that he was yeah. willing to do it. Just, you know, showing, you know, that he was religious. Yeah. You know, in front well, of her. The, the the dynamic that I was seeing play out just, just on, on both what Sue Ray said and what Norman said um, was that actually, yes, he wanted to be religious. You know, he is religious, but in that moment, to impress her, he was trying to be like, uh, not about the minion right now. Um, maybe if you get it together, I'll join. Like he was doing that. He's not really interested in the minion. Like, yes, maybe he's religious in many ways, but that wasn't what he was interested in at the time. And she, by saying, Oh, like, yeah, I keep kosher except for shellfish was like her trying to be like, I could be like you, even though I'm not, you know, cause she sees the kippah. You know, I know this also as even just, the year of being in rabbinical school uh, when people, you know, when I meet people, they're like, Oh, well I do this thing, you know? And I'm like, great. That's awesome. Uh, you know, but like they wouldn't otherwise tell me about they, that they wash their hands ritually in the morning <laughs> if, if I wasn't in this circumstance. So it's, so they're both like trying to come to each other's level and, you know, he doesn't want to be embarrassed by the whole minion thing. He's kind of cramping his style, the other guy. And she wants to reach out to him religiously and, you know, does her best to show it. Um, yeah. Other so thoughts, comments? Yes, Michael. But we do have, we do have that scene just before he returns to Jerusalem where he is stopping along the road and davening with his tefillin and, and Saying shot and saying and he seems to be he's thinking about I thought having a religiously or a religiously based marriage while he's diving. She seems to be on his mind, right? The way that when he's when he's wrapping the show, the yad right at the end, 
I, I think there's, we're supposed to read something into that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if people were, um, I thought this was a really beautiful moment. If people were kind of tapped into what he was saying, it's, it is the traditional thing that you say while you are rapping, um, on your hand, but it's also something that's, that some people say under the chuppah. Uh, and so like, for example, my parents, weird. I said parents and my mom just texted me. Um, my parents under the chuppah, I think my mom, I wasn't there, but I've seen the, the wedding video. I think my mom said, anyway, it doesn't matter. Someone said in the moment of the ring exchange, um, because there's not actually words that a woman says to a man uh, halachically. So those are certain words that people associate with betrothal. Um, and so he, in watching him wrapped fill in, and therefore have a davening experience, but also be using those words was very connected to them. This moment of him asking her to marry him, whether or not it was a proposal or not. I think if someone showed up at my door and said they wanted to marry me, I would think that was a proposal. But, but, um, that I think that we were, we were meant to see it as something that he was kind of coming to his senses. Um, right. for also for, for anyone who watched Stissel, yeah, there's a, Right, David's pointing out. There's like an idea. So I, again, having not seen this episode, but having seen the first two seasons of Shisal, there's like a virtually identical sounding scene where Kiva is rapping to Phil and he says that line, the Veyrastik line, and then goes, or first season, I think, of Shisal. He goes to what's her name? The woman who he's sort of in love with in the first season and is like, I have an idea. We can just be engaged forever and never married, right? Yeah. Um, and he like comes up with that as he's like putting on tefillin. Mm-hmm. Ellie Sheva, my dad says. I think that's right. Um, I so, wasn't there. He's back. Um, so yeah, so that's. Uh, I mean, Shissel is the, is newer than Sergei, so they probably stole that from Sergei. But right. an, it's a sort of this interesting idea of like the Veiras Tichli and being like ah, you know, playing on that engagement. Patrol. I mean, I do know that there are people for whom before they propose they have a whole spiritual ritual experience, right? Like they might daven if that's their thing or they might go to the mikvah or, you know, especially if you assume that the person's going to say yes and this is a new milestone in your life, there there can be ritual, spiritual connection around that. And so saying those words before you start on this journey with another person is a really beautiful idea to me. Right. No, no, no. I don't think it's as common to like have a revelation from like, I re- I was reading to Helim, I was reading Psalms and I realized you're the one, you know, I, I think it's, I agree with you that it's nice as a, as a more formal ritual, but, but maybe not as common in non-Israeli TV shows. True. Yes. And, and um, so we thought that we would talk and Rod Pernick is very excited to talk to this topic um, <laughs> yeah, sure. um, I think you and I have actually spoken about this topic before, but I couldn't remember in what context. Um, we wanted to... I also taught a class on this topic in Schissel. I, I know, I used your source sheet. Yeah. Um, to, to talk a little bit about uh, the first scene of the episode where Tequila is telling Nati all about her life before she met him. And one of the main things that really pushes him away 
is the fact that she had an abortion um, and that he was surprised that she had an abortion uh, and says something that I found quite offensive. And I think probably so did she, though we don't see her again in that scene, uh, which was, do all secular girls do that? Um, or maybe is it women? But um, so I wanted us to talk a little bit about how that scene played out for you, whether you found that to be something that was interesting, especially the comment that was made. Um, and then to talk maybe a little bit about just how Judaism views abortion, or if you had any questions about that. Um, I know that we didn't have the class before this. So people in New Orleans who typically get a lot of those sources from Rabbi Parnick, we're kind of going to mash that up a little bit in here. We don't necessarily need to quote sources, but just to be able to give you a little bit of that learning in this hour um, as well. So any any thoughts on that before I turn it over to Rabbi Parnick to maybe share a few halachic words of wisdom? Or David? I don't have anything yet. <laughs> Great. Any, anything? Any thoughts? Did that also... Yes, Norm or Rachel. Hi. Hi. Uh, I surprisingly did not have a problem with the way he phrased it, Mm. which was more, is this common among secular girls? And I was thinking more of a casual sexual encounter than about an abortion. You know, you, Rabbi Schatz, of all people, know how comments about, is this true for women? Is that true for women? Just generally are like my button issues. And this one did not push those buttons. I felt I mean, I don't know if we'll get there in terms of the arc of the episode, but that Nadi made great strides in this episode. Interesting. That's very interesting. I, um, I do know that about you. <laughs> um, and I, I wasn't sure where you were going with the comment, but I'm glad that's how the comment ended. Um, but I, I do, I also didn't, didn't necessarily fit like I Rebecca didn't necessarily think oh that's such a um that's such an offensive comment but I could I could imagine sitting with somebody who hasn't been through the experience or hasn't lived in a world in which that is potentially more common that that kind of comment could be offensive um and that it also showed ignorance right it showed a lack of knowledge on his part, that abortion isn't just something that people use as a form of birth control, but that sometimes things happen. And if you are living in a world and in a society where you're having sex before marriage, it's more common than if you're living in a society where people are only having sex after they're married. So you're not hearing about it as much in that kind of context. Um, so that's what struck me, but, but you're, you're correct that it wasn't, um, I didn't think he was as bad as he sometimes is. (laughs) (laughs) I, I will say that, that the, while the text, the text of what he said 
you know, saying, is this how secular women, you know, is this how secular people often do, do things? That could be a true question, but the subtext of how he said it right. seemed to me to not be a genuine question and to be a jack was used as a bludgeon to say, is this what you all do? How could you do that? Just this like, I don't know. That's how I, 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 I mean, I watched it last night. I uh, maybe should watch it again. We need the replay. Can we get the replay? Um, play by play, slow motion. Um, well, at the very least, if it wasn't used as a bludgeon, it, it was like used as like a, I don't know what to do with you right now. Like I, like maybe he really is, it is too much for him and his worldview, but uh, it didn't seem like, is that really what happens? You know, and that he was really expecting an answer. Like it seems like. Well, and I don't think he would have stormed off if that's really what he was getting at. Right. Like it was, it was clear from his actions that, that there was something behind, um, something behind the statement that was not just in real interest. Um, Interesting, Judy, uh, that the comment led to her knowing that they would not be good together, that he might not be able to accept her. That's very interesting. I, I mean, I think, uh, I think that like she was dirty, different. like she was dirty in some ways that she had led, you know, done things that he was found repulsive. You could see she had hid it from him. And then when she finally said it, he, you could just, whether he was being mean or not, he was, came from a totally different world, maybe yeah. a very much more immature, maybe. Just a world, you know, he just didn't understand it in the same way. Yeah. yeah, And maybe, and maybe that's what we saw in this episode where he goes from that place to then a place of, I love, hopefully love her for who she is, no matter what her past has been. Right. We, we have a, a present and hopefully a future. And that's what's, that's, what's important. So it's, it's possible that, that he kind of, makes up for that um at the end of the episode we'll see we'll see next week if that's the case rabbi barbara did you want to say something you unmuted no i wanted to uh i wanted to say that i wasn't offended by his statement but i just i did think it showed his naivete but what i find interesting is then when he goes to the conference (laughs) It's not that he shifts into secular mode, but he seems to struggle with wanting to be like everybody else, his friend and be like everyone else. And, and, you know, and I think, I think that's, I think that was interesting. And he doesn't know that world, although I guess I mean, he's a, a doctor at a big hospital, and I'm surprised that being in medicine, he could be so naive about things. Mm. You mean in terms of not knowing that abortions were happening more regularly? Um, yes, mm-hmm. and, and that they don't always just happen to secular girls. Right. Um, right. But, but also that, is he so naive that he doesn't think that people sleep together? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, because that's a reality. And look, he knows Hodaya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it comes from a place of naivete around sex before marriage. 
I think that he sees her as somebody who, because she's Balchuva, she's now so religious that it's hard for him to even imagine that she had a life before where she had those kinds of experiences when now she won't even touch him, right? So to go from a place of you were in a relationship that got as far as you having a child, well, not having a child, she didn't have the child, but getting pregnant, right? That, that that's hard to believe when you won't even shake someone's hand, um, I think. Can can I say one thing too? Um, I look at Nadi all along as being a very naive person emotionally. I mean, I think there's a reason why he's still single. I just think, you know, he's always looking for the perfect girl. He's, I mean, he's had some, some of these blind dates. I think like he didn't even give him a second chance. I remember there was one, but I just want to say when I looked, the one thing that we haven't discussed that I feel like we should go back to maybe at the end was his brother, Rowie, Rowie. And yeah. it's really bothering me the way everyone gave him advice to get married and have a family. And I know that this show took place like 15 years ago or 10 yeah. years ago. or But today, I mean, his brother's gay. And I mean, is that a good thing that he now has this life with this girl and he's going to have a family? And, you know, there was that other person that he was friends with that the man ended up leaving his wife to go because he couldn't, you know, his inclinations he couldn't get away from. Mm-hmm. And somehow this show has just not dealt with it at all. And it's really bothered me. And Nati was like, fine with this. Like his brother should just get married and have a good life with this woman. Like, is it re- you're right, as a doctor, he doesn't even understand like basic human drives and nature. It kind of, it kind of just bothered me. It stuck with me. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot to Nati that is, um, that's complicated, right? There are parts of him that are very, that are clearly very understanding and very, um, you know, in his medical expertise, like what's in front of him, he knows how to cure kind of thing. And then there are parts of him that are being driven by his religiosity. And then there are other parts of him that are being driven by being a male in his thirties. Um, and you know, that, that I think all of that is having never been a male in my thirties. Like, I think that there are a lot of pieces there that are complicated and he's trying to weigh, um, which of those makes sense and how to play them out in his life and also trying to stay true to at least the person that he thinks he wants to be, whether or not we agree with that uh, is, is neither here nor there, but. Um, and no, yeah. Norman has his hand up. Just yeah. like, Norm so, or Rachel. Yeah. Um, somebody said that she'd been keeping it a secret. And I don't think that's true. If I were, in the dating in the firm world um, and meeting people, it isn't the first thing I would lead with, you know, hi, I'm Tehillah. I used to be called Gaia. Um, I have had relationships and had an abortion. That's simply not the first thing one says. She is at the point in the relationship where she feels it's appropriate to disclose this, and she does. And I thought she did it appropriately and so forth. And if this is going to be a deal breaker for him, well, so be it. And, you know, when he gets up rather abruptly and leaves, I mean, he's obviously taken aback by it. I can understand that. Um, and I felt like he was a bit too abrupt with her, and he's, it almost seemed like he left without even saying goodbye, or I'll talk to you soon, yeah. or I've got to think about this, or or something. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to this conference, and 
apparently spent some time thinking about it because his reaction is not what what I expected. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so something this makes me think about um, something I, we didn't discuss ahead of time, but now this conversation has, has brought something up um, is interesting that, that there's actually a Mishnah that says you're not supposed to remind a Baal Tshuva about their past. Um, obviously this happened in such a way that, that, you know, it came up and they wanted to be honest and have the conversation. Um, but there, there might be a perspective in not that Nati's behavior isn't very from in that way. <laughs> you know, it's in uh, Baba Mitzi. And I remember because it's the Mishnah that's right before the famous Gemara, which was the first Gemara I really learned, which was uh, about um, uh, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua and, and the, um, the, uh, the Tanur Shal Afnai, the debate about this oven and they excommunicate Eliezer and there's all these miracles. So, um, so you know, there is something about Im Hayah Baal Tshuva, Lo Yomar Lo, Zachor Ma'asecha Rishonim. If someone made Tshuva, you shouldn't say to them, remember your former deeds. And that's literally what this entire exchange is about in some ways. Um, so even though he's very from, he's also not being very from in other ways. <laughs> now, Pernik, do you want to add anything to that? No? Well, I'm just here as a, I'm here, you know, as me. You know, you're here as a consultant. You can cons- consult anytime. Um <laughs> Uh, Rabbi Pernick and I were thinking about talking about that as a, as a, um, as a topic last week, the week before, um, which is why I thought that maybe Rabbi Pernick would want to say something about it, but he doesn't So great. Um, but yes, I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, I think there, there are so many parts of this scenario that that could have been done differently and hopefully gotten to the same result you know one of the things that I think is really hard in terms of that um that piece of Gemara and that general halacha right we 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 hold the same for conversion students right when someone converts to Judaism you're not supposed to then remind them that they were once some other religion and I think that when you're trying to get to know somebody, it's really hard to stop at a certain point of their, of their life to say, okay, well, this is how I know you now, but don't tell me anything about, you know, ages zero through 16, because that will remind you of a time when, when you didn't, you didn't keep mitzvot or you weren't as from. And, and yet I think that the way in which you navigate that part of someone's life that is different than the way they are now is definitely a little bit more um, kind or or supported than Nati is doing with Tahila because she is opening herself up in such a way that she doesn't have to, first of all, and and she's only doing it. I forget who just said this, but she's only doing this because she feels trust and and. I think probably affection and love for him in such a way that she can share those things and not imagine that they are not imagine that they are, um, are going to, you know, somehow taint the relationship. Uh, thank you for sharing the mission. <laughs> in case you wanted to see it. I do. Thank Being you. Is believing it doesn't just exist in the, it is oral Torah, but you know, we wrote it down. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Norm and Rachel. Okay, this is me again. Great. Um, I 
when you said she's reached the point in the relationship where she loves him and trusts him. Yeah. I think it was much more Mm. the sense that this is who I was. And Mm -hmm. if you can't deal with it, goodbye. And that would be okay. Yeah. And I'm really impressed with her strength of character. She doesn't try to cover it up. She doesn't deny it. Mm -hmm. She doesn't say it doesn't matter anymore because I've changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just, this is part of who I was, who led, which led me to the life I live now. Yeah. And I was impressed with her telling him, even though in that first scene when they're having coffee and he runs off to the conference, I felt like he was doing exactly what I expected him to do. It was that he didn't take up with the woman throwing herself at him and that at the end of the episode, he decided that he wanted to be involved with the Gila, even though this had happened. And I was, I was impressed with that about him. Yeah. Um, thoughts, comments. Josh, any, uh, Rabbi Pernick, any, halacha um, you want to bring? You're just a consultant. You're not really here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a pleasure doing Rabbi Koplinski is doing a great job. Oh, Rabbi Koplinski? Wow, that is is very premature. Um, Okay, (laughs) great. But, yes, indeed, doing a great job. Okay, um, other thoughts, comments, questions about the episode in general? I feel like we're not going to get too much into sources about abortion because we have not enough time to really dive into those. But yeah, Robert. Um, I was really impressed by the sofa. Yes. <laughs> well, for one thing, it led to very Seinfeld-esque um, uh, uh, pathways because, okay, Hodiah finds the sofa. Uh, the, uh, the older couple comes along and sits down and um, she, she somewhat, I think, begrudgingly gives them a space. And uh, she sees how good they are together. Um, a few moments later, um, uh, you see her ex-boyfriend, the, the archaeology professor, um, in a laundromat. And, um, and it turns out the older couple shows up in, in the laundromat. Um, and then, um, then you know, the other thing about the sofa is, okay, uh, the poet doesn't show up and nobody's helping her. She abandons it. And guess who ends up with the sofa? Right. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting, um, uh, the role of the sofa. Best, best supporting role. <laughs> yeah, it was a really, I was telling David about this last night, actually. I I thought it was a really beautiful way of, showing how you don't ever know who the people in 
who the people you might come across are how they're going to influence you or how they're going to influence somebody else who, you know, right. There's that very famous game that people play called Jewish geography, right. Where it's like, Oh, you know, this person, and I know that person and how, you know, Oh, we should have met years ago. It's so crazy that we're just meeting now. But what we see in that moment is that Avri has no idea that all these people have also been in contact with her in regards to this couch or just in regards to her being a person. And yet he somehow through what he notices in them feels drawn to her again and feels drawn to helping her again. Um, And maybe that's based on how she treated them. Who knows? Right. But I thought it was a really beautiful way of illustrating um, how how in our lives that's so clear, and we're not usually watching the TV of our lives to know that that's happening. But that those those circles of people are constantly rotating around us, and we just don't know who we're going to influence and how they're going to influence someone else who's going to end up being a major part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Robbie Barbara, and also when he eventually sees the couch I think he has that sense like when he picks up the cup I almost thought he was like looking at a Starbucks cup that said her name on it you know wanting wanting to make sure that of course how many red sofas are there Mm -hmm. but it seems to me that the red sofa is the the connection between them although Although neither one is really aware it's the connection. I mean, in in that sense, like he hasn't reached out to her. She's reached out to him, but she's, he's not spoken to her. And so. No, she heard him, right? I think that there. Oh, she heard him. Yeah. And, and she also said to him, we're going to be together. Mm -hmm. And. You know, whether that's, you know, people can say those things, but somehow I think they have a very deep connection. For sure. There's a question going on in the chat here about whether he bought the couch just to have it or, you know, maybe in an event for it, or did he buy it knowing that they could be something? Because it did seem like he also has a shift like Nazi in the episode where he realizes, well, I need to do like, like maybe I'm missing out. Like maybe this, she's the one, even though she's a little crazy and <laughs> you know she's confused. She's she's you know becoming herself again, um, you know. And then she's hurt me so much. Maybe maybe he's saving that couch to say like I'm gonna give it to her one day. Not now. That was the impression I got from his face. Was that the fact that he's listening to her on the radio? wasn't to be like, ha ha, I got your couch, but more like, I'm not ready yet, but I know you're going to want this couch because we're going to sit on it together at some point when the time is right. That was my impression. Yeah, Rebecca. And his, his mother also was edging him on about getting married. Right. Finding someone, you know. Yeah. There was the great um, Hebrew or modern Israeli phrase, which I learned from the episode, which is she said she'll stop being uh, was Polania, like a Polish mother, (laughs) (laughs) um, is the phrase for being like a Jewish mother. It was translated as Jewish mother, but it 
really means like a Polish lady, you know? I think that there's something, there's something very, um, very powerful about timing in this particular episode. Uh, right. And that we're coming to the end of the whole show. So obviously the way without ever having worked in TV a day in my life, you know that by the time you get to the end of a series, like things are going to wrap up and there's going to be bows on different relationships and you're going to tie things up and it's all going to end in happily ever after or not happily ever after. Um, so we're seeing how those, those loose ends are being tied up uh, here. But one of the things, and David just pointed to this, one of the things that I think is so beautiful about that couch experience um, is that you you notice in Avri, in the couple, in the man who's offended that she wants him to, to help her move the couch, that it's all about timing, right? She leaves, Avri shows up because he realizes, oh, I probably should help her, and then encounters all of those people after helping his mother, then listens to her, and then realizes, oh, this is, or at least we think by the end of the episode, that this is really somebody who even though she's hurt me and even though I let her go now I'm at a point in my life where I can actually, I can actually be with her and I can actually give her the attention that she needs. And it sounds like she's also gotten to a point where she can, um, she can give that to him, which we know she's been kind of the problem in that. Um, So I think timing is huge, right. In this, in this moment here with the couch and, and sweet that it looks like, at this point that they've kind of the stars have kind of finally aligned for them to be able to go from just having a relationship that was kind of on again, off again, and to, to really hopefully being something that works. Rebecca, I called on you before and then we took another comment and then I'm going to have to go because I'm actually already on another zoom for another meeting that I have to get to. So uh, Rebecca. Yeah. I just wanted to acknowledge the supporting role of the laundromat itself because yeah. with all those people showing up there, and if you think how the laundromat is a cleansing, and mm, um, very good, uh, you're so you know, good at that stuff. <laughs> well, and so the uh, I forget his name, uh, the one Hodaya's former boyfriend. You know, he it was after he was at the laundromat, he's cleaning the clothes, he's thinking whatever that you know he goes and uh, he shows Aubrey to help her and. Uh, and he takes the couch. And then if you also tie it back to uh, um, Tehila, you know, by becoming Balchuva, you know, she went through a cleansing. And as we've said, you know, you're not supposed to refer back to uh, her previous life. So she went, she went through the laundromat, so to speak. Already. I love that. I love that you can make those connections. That's such a, that's a great way of, of watching TV. <laughs> I definitely don't do that. That's wonderful. Um, other thoughts? questions okay um david thanks for being with us hey it was so great to be here it's great to uh see a lot of familiar faces who i love dearly and uh (laughs) new faces who i also love in different ways or i will um and uh yeah that was a good way to say it right that was a great way yeah we can we can actually write a whole show about that statement um i'll see some of you in la and i'll see uh new orleans folks for high holidays uh soon 
So before you go, uh, tomorrow night, David is also teaching a class. So if people are interested in learning with David, having nothing to do with Strugim, um or abortion, uh, I think, uh, he's going to be teaching tomorrow night at 7 p.m. And if you're not a Betham person and you would like the link, you can either email me or email uh, David, if you have his email address, and ask him for the link, and I, I'm happy to send it to you. Um, next week, Rabbi Pernick and I are going to wrap up this class that we've been doing for a very long time. Uh, and, um, and we'll watch two episodes so that we can finish the class before the Chagim. And uh, we'll do, you know, we'll talk about the episodes, but also, as I mentioned to Rabbi Pernick last week, I would love to also hear how this class was for people in terms of uh, what you got out of it and how the the idea, especially of two people from different denominations talking about some of these topics um, with respect for one another and for our, uh, you know, for the different denominations, but still being able to talk through candidly these different um, elements of the class and be really interesting to just hear your takeaways. So as you're watching the episodes and I'm sure only thinking about Strugin between now and next week. Uh, just think about any of those, any of those things that you would be willing to share with us as we would love to hear them. Um, have a great night, everyone. Rabbi Pernick, always a pleasure to learn with you and hear your wisdom. Um, and uh, we will see you all next week. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.